Well, the title of the message this morning is Being Right with God. Would you please say that with me? Being Right with God. So this message is one that is focused on experiencing peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that this would be a, an, an encouragement and a blessing to you. So open up your hearts. We're going to look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2 and then also on to verse 6 and 7. Let's read the passage together and not just rush and skim through it. Let it sink in. Let's read it. If you are looking in your Bible, it's the New King James Version that I'm reading from. It says, therefore, this is Paul speaking to the Roman believers. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let's go on a few verses to verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man Someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't this amazing, folks? Verse 9, much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Would you say the word wrath? We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Good. There are five things that I'd like to say to you regarding this passage of Scripture. Sometimes when one reads a passage of Scripture like this, there's a lot being said in there, and you kind of say, well, break it down, make it easy. Uh, one of the things that I love to try to do in, in my life is I try to take things and make it simple, make it understandable. So point number one, every person on earth needs to make peace with God. Please say that with me. Every person on earth needs to make peace with God. Would you agree with that statement? Now, there is actually no one who is excused from making peace with God. No one. Everyone needs to make peace with God if they haven't already done so. And so to make it a bit practical, instead of just thinking, oh, everybody far and wide, let me mention a few names as examples. Elon Musk needs to make peace with God. Beyonce needs to make peace with God. Matt Damon, your favorite actor, needs to make peace with God. 
Angela Merkel, who is the German Chancellor, needs to make peace with God. All of these people need to make peace with God if they haven't already done so. But not only those well-known people and leaders in different areas in their careers and so on, but right down around us, people need to make peace with God. Your co-worker at the office needs to make peace with God. You and I, we need to make peace with God. Our family members need to make peace with God. Maybe you're a mom and dad and you've got one or two kids in the home and you know that although you're raising them in the ways of the Lord, they still have to come to their own place of making peace with God. And so it is true to say that we need to make peace with God if we haven't already done so. Our text today, Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Can we say those words in bold? We have peace with God. Isn't that wonderful? That we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this. In the Garden of Eden, long ago, originally, there was perfect harmony. There was peace between God and man. But then, sadly, sin entered into the world. And that sin caused hostility between God and man. And that hostility became a huge barrier. Sin became a huge barrier that separated us from God. And it says in Isaiah 59 verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden His face from you. So the question that we need to ask then is, how do we seek peace with God? Seeking peace with God is the same as saying reconcile. How do we seek peace? How do we reconcile with God? And the answer, folks, is that it is only possible through the cross of Calvary. Jesus made the way of salvation. It's only possible through Jesus. And I want to remind you that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. He paid a sacrificial death in your place, a substitutionary death in your place, and he died for your sins. And in so doing, you know what? He removed the barrier of sin by his blood so that barrier could be removed, and now you and I can have peace with God. But it's all because of what Jesus has done. It would have been impossible if Jesus had not died on the cross, but it is finished and it is done. And God has done this work. And so I want to remind you today that we can enjoy peace with God. May I ask you this, sir, ma'am, young person, older person, the question that I want to ask you is, have you made peace with God? Because if you haven't done so, in a few moments' time, I'd like to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer of salvation and just surrender and give over your life to God. So that's number one. Every person on earth needs to make peace with God. Number two, because of Jesus, we have access into grace, God's unmerited favor. 
And so this is what grace is in a simple term. It is God's unmerited favor. Listen to the statement. It's on your screen. It says, grace is the love and favor of God shown to those who don't deserve it. <laughs> we don't deserve it, but we can receive it. Why don't you tell the person next to you, God's grace is for you. Tell them that. God's grace is for you. Now it says in our text, it says now going from verse 1 now into verse 2, listen carefully for the emphasis of grace and access. It says, through whom, this is Romans 5, 2, through whom also we have access, I like that, by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I want to say to you today that without the cross, there is no access. But through the cross, by means of the cross, there is full and complete access into the grace of God. Do you realize how blessed you are? Do you realize the access that you have been given into the grace of God? No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God has opened up so much for us. And it's through the grace of God. There's a great theologian. His name is J. Gresham Machen. And he says this, The very center and core of the whole Bible is the doctrine of the grace of God. Have you understood His grace? I've found that sometimes when you talk to people, Christians, about the grace of God, they kind of battle to understand what does it really mean. And so I'd like to just give you a little, a few phrases just to kind of, in simple terms, understand the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It is God bestowing His favor and His blessing upon your life. What is the favor of God? It is God bringing you into a covenant relationship with Him. What is the grace of God? It is God setting us in the place of highest privilege. No longer do I call you enemies or slaves, but God says, I call you friends. I take of the things of mine and I reveal them to you. I open up and I speak to you and the things that I do, you become aware of. You are now friends with God. This is part of his grace. Also, what is the grace of God? It is God giving you an incredible spiritual inheritance. And so these are some of the things that are the grace of God. And I want to tell you today, don't let the devil lie to you. You have full access to the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen on that one? Praise the Lord for that. Number three. While we were helpless and in a mess, Christ died for us. Isn't that lovely when you think of that? <laughs> now, it's true that we were all weak and helpless at one point in time. We could not save ourselves. We could not help ourselves. We required divine intervention. Nobody on planet Earth could help us. It took God to step in and help us in that helpless mess that we were in. 
And so I want to tell you, which is to me encouragement, encouraging today, the good news that Jesus, he came for you and he rescued you. He didn't leave you helpless, weak, unable to move into the things that he has for you. No, Jesus came and he rescued us. Let it be heard today on this Good Friday that you've been rescued. You have been redeemed from destruction and your life has been crowned with his loving kindness. Praise the Lord for that. Romans 5, verse 6 to 8, it's on your screen, it says, For when we were still helpless, Christ died for the wicked. God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. Isn't it wonderful? But listen, he died for you in that mess. I want to tell you there is a popular misconception, and this is it. People seem to think that you have to clean up your life before you can come to Christ Jesus. That is not true. You trying to clean up your life is like filthy rags. You cannot do it. You have to come to Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus is the one that cleans up your acts. You can't do it in your own strength. It is him that transforms the human heart. Nobody can change the human heart, but Jesus can. Nobody can do a work of complete transformation. Doesn't matter if you go for an extreme makeover. I want to tell you, there is nothing like the extreme makeover of the God of heaven. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. He transforms us. And so we need to just surrender. We need to stop trying in our own strength to live the Christian life. And we need to live in a way that we are surrendering, that we are giving over to Him. You know, the wonderful thing, folks, is that you bring your brokenness. You bring your addiction to Him. You bring your mess to Him. You bring your ashes. You bring your mourning. You bring your burden of sin to Him. And then you know what God gives? He gives you his righteousness. He gives you his restoration. He gives you his joy. He gives you the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Do you want what he offers? Absolutely. Trading your sorrows for the joy of the Lord. And it says in Isaiah 61 verse 3, it says that God uh, tells us that he gives, listen to this, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I want to say to you folks, realize, and I want to say it because it doesn't get said often enough, realize today, and I speak this under the anointing of the spirit of God, realize today that your heavenly father loves you. That Jesus loves you. There should not be one person here today that feels unloved. He certainly loves you. You know that the highest expression of human love is when you lay down your life so that somebody else can live. But usually that would only be done, if it were to be done, for somebody who's extremely close to you. But Jesus' love is in an altogether different dimension because while we were yet sinners, while we were yet his enemies, Christ died for us. 
And I want to tell you, that is the demonstration of the love of God to you on this Good Friday. And I want to say loud and clear that the love of God is astonishing. The love of God is amazing. The love of God is incredible. And it says in 1 John 3 verse 16 in the NLT translation, it's on your screen. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. You know, in popular culture, with many of the music songs that are out there, there's a lot of singing about love. But I want to tell you, it's the children of God. We know what real love is. Christ gave his life for us. Point number four. This is an interesting point. Christ's blood turned away the wrath of God. Please say that with me. Christ's blood turned away the wrath of God. The scripture says in Romans 5 verse 9, it says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be, say those four words with me, saved from God's wrath through him. Now this is important. Now you know what? You could be looking at those words, God's wrath, and conceivably you could perhaps think, well, maybe God is aggressive. You could think maybe God is unreasonable because this is talking about the wrath of God. This doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. But I want to tell you that God is not unreasonable. He is by no means aggressive. Allow me to explain this to you. And firstly, we need to understand that God is, listen, righteous and holy. That's who he is. He's a holy God. He is a righteous God. And in terms of that, Because of that, he will not put up with sin. God will not tolerate sin because of his holiness, because of his righteousness. I want to tell you folks, if the heavens were to open right now over you, you would be literally stunned and you would be amazed at the holiness of God. It would absolutely blow you away if heavens opened and you saw the holiness of God. My goodness. It would blow you away because God is awesome in his holiness. And it says in Isaiah 6 verse 3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now let me tell you, because of God's holiness, it is only right that he would be angry with sin. It is right and it is righteous. And in terms of you and I, as children of God, I want to say, because we've been made the righteousness of God, it is only right in your life and mine that we would also hate sin, because we know it displeases the Father. We hear of somebody and there's domestic violence in the home, that's sin, that's wrong. It should make us angry, because we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And so this is the way Jesus is. He is holy. And because of the holiness of God... He could not simply ignore sin, but he had to first deal with sin so that he could accept us. He had to remove that sin barrier, and that's exactly what he did on the cross, praise the Lord. And it says in Romans 3, verse 24 to 25, it's on your screen, you can have a look in your Bible. It says here that we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation. 
Would you please say the word propitiation? You know you always use that word when you are texting each other, propitiation. <laughs> As a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Now, admittedly the word propitiation is a little known word today, but you need to understand what it means. It, it means that it implies an atoning sacrifice that turns away divine wrath. Take note, it's an atoning sacrifice that turns away divine wrath. And this is what Jesus did on the cross. And so I want to tell you today, folks, that we can rejoice. Because through the sacrifice of Jesus, we have been delivered from the righteous wrath of God. Can you say amen? amen. The last point I want to share with you. Number five, know that the power of Christ's life is expanding within you. Please say that aloud with me. Know that the power of Christ's life is expanding within you. You might say, wow, that's interesting. I've never really thought about that before. Now, our text for today in verse 10 in the Good News Translation says, we were God's enemies, but he made us his friends through the death of his son. Now that we are God's friends, how much more Will we be saved by Christ's life? Now, in the message version, it gives you a very good understanding of that saved by Christ's life. Look what it says. It, just, it says, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. There is a power in this verse. I pray that the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. Let me say this. This is very important. The cross was not the end. It was just the beginning. Yes, it was the end of sin. Yes, it was the end of the power of death. But you know, it was just the beginning of Christ's power doing a transformation work on an ongoing basis in our lives. Do you see that? Do you appreciate it? And so the work of Jesus through the cross, it didn't just stop there, but he is continuing to work in you. And he is transforming you by Christ's power. And you know what this means? It means that we are being transformed, as the Bible says, into the image of his son from glory to glory. Can somebody just get a little bit more excited about this power that is transforming you and it is transforming me? It's making you more sanctified. It's making you more like Jesus. The power of the cross continues to affect our lives today. And it says in Ephesians 1 verse 19, it says, How very great is His power at work in us who believe. And I want to say to you, in the name of Jesus, I speak this word over your life. I declare that God's power is greatly at work within you. You are believers. God's power is greatly at work within you. So let's expect the power of Christ's life to expand within us. Would you please say this after me? Say, God's resurrection power, God's resurrection power is actively transforming me each and every day. Now say amen and give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your transforming 
power. Now, folks, I said that I would give an opportunity. This is an opportunity for people who need to make peace with God. And this is a prayer that I'm going to pray. And I invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'm actually going to ask that all of us pray this prayer for the sake of those that are here that need to really give their lives to Jesus for the first time. I'm not going to call you to the front afterwards, but I am going to give you this opportunity. So this is a prayer of salvation. This is a prayer to give your life to Jesus Christ. This is a prayer to make peace with God on this Good Friday. Could we close our eyes? And would you pray this out aloud after me, phrase by phrase? Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and rose again to redeem me. I repent of my sins and place my faith in you alone. I surrender my heart and my life to you. Be my Lord. And be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. To those of you that prayed that prayer, may have been the first time, I want to encourage you, come back. Come back on Sunday, worship with us. Come back the next week, and the next week, and the next week. Or if you live far from here, go to a church near to you. Because I tell you, you will be amazed at what God will do in your life if you'll keep him in first place. Amen. Wonderful.